Empire. You thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene with Will T, Wole, and Ray Jeezy Park of Empire Media. You know, today is a cool day. Today is it's Kanye's birthday. Did y'all know it was is Yeezy's birthday? Can we still cheer for Yeezy? Can we still rock his music? I heard you say something about Kanye. We can barely hear you. Oh, what back? Oh, you can hear me now, though, right? Still bad. All right, hold on. All right, folks. No, we're gonna go on break, and I'm uh, we're, gonna, we're about to go on break, and we'll be right back. What it do? I'm your homie Wole with the Urban Sports Scene, part of Empire Media. And I'm here to tell you about Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing sports gaming platform in North America, while being the third largest daily fantasy sports platform. It's easy to play. Users don't have to spend all day analyzing salary caps and lineups like other daily fantasy sports sites. It also offers all the major sports plus UFC, golf, esports, soccer, college basketball, NASCAR, and much more. Plus, users won't compete against thousands of professionals with algorithms like other daily fantasy sports sites. That crap could be annoying. Monkey Knife Fight has various jackpot contests such as Home Run Derby, which is the MLB $5,000 jackpot on Fridays, and Eagle Eye, which is the PGA $2,500 jackpot on Thursdays. Sign up now and get your chance to win the bag. Go to www.monkeyknifefight.com. Again, that is www.monkeyknifefight.com. And don't forget to sign up using the code URBAN. Again, that's URBAN. That's U-R-B-A-N, URBAN. Hey, help me make you great. All right, sorry about that. We're back. We're back. All right, we're good now. So like I was saying, today is Yeezy's birthday. So are we all good now, fellas? <laughs> no, it is. I, I, I saw on social media that it was Yeezy's birthday, but I don't know if it's a big deal. <laughs> it must be a big deal to you. It What? Come on. Ray, you don't remember Yeezy? You talk, are you serious? Like, Yeezy? Are, you, are we not... It's easy birthday, like Ray. You remember the trip to Atlanta, bro? You can't tell me nothing. Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> Little T wasn't on that squad. He was on the losing end. I know, right? It is what it is. But hey, um, <laughs> again, I mentioned that we're on Amphire Media. Amphire Media hosts multiple DMV sports podcast shows, such as the John Com Report, hosted by ESPN Washington Football Team Insider John Com. And Jones football hosted by USA Today insider Mike Jones. Absolutely. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Twitter, Google Play, and Google Podcasts. Just search Urban Sports Scene. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and of the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as other great content. And don't forget to tweet us at Urban Sports Team and hit us up on our Urban Sports Team Facebook page. Also, join our Urban Sports Team Facebook group. 
search Urban Sports Team, Sports Blogger, Sports Podcast, and Sports Debate. Will T. Let's get into our tradition of pregame. All right, here's what we have on tap. Host of NBC Sports Washington's Washington Wizards pre pre and post game show, Wes Hall will will be on the show to recap the Wizards season at 8:25. We'll talk about the NBA playoffs, and finally, we'll talk about Coach K announcing his retirement. I'm sorry, right now we have NBC Sports Washington Wizards pre and post game show, Wes Hall on the line. What's up, Wes, and welcome to the Urban Sports Team. Gentlemen, thank you for having me, man. I'm excited about this, all right? It's, it's my off-season. I'm breaking all my food rules. I'm sitting there with fruit snacks, pot pots, and a cup of milk, watching two games. I'm in my bag right about now. So, so, so just don't judge me. Don't judge me. Oh, hey, brother, we appreciate you joining the show. Hopefully this won't be your first, or your last uh, appearance on Urban Sports. Hopefully this will be the first of many. But, brother... I'm glad you enjoy yourself. Let's further enjoy this conversation. Let's get right into it. Let's go. A lot of teams in the NBA, it seems like, are making coaching decisions. We saw the Boston Celtics make a decision, the, the Portland Trailblazers, the Orlando Magic. What in the world is taking the Wizards so long to make a decision on the future of Scott Brooks? What's your, what's your opinion? Um, well, one, it's an interesting situation when you look at Scott's predicament, right? So I'm not going to give you the home team answer. I'm not going to give you the corporate answer. I'm going to try to just, you know, paint a full picture if I can. So think about it like this. Three out of his five seasons, he's made the playoffs, right? Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's true. Um, now, this season came in after a very short offseason. You lose one of your crucial pieces 10 games into it. Um, you get a big blockbuster trade that actually gets you somebody who you have a working history with. Then you get struck by a terrible opening to the season because that same person happened to be nursing a quad injury that nobody knew about. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you get hit by COVID. You have a lackluster post um, all-star break. Come out 0-5 after that. But then you hit a 17-6 stride. All of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you pick up a couple pieces, Daniel Gafford, Chandler Hutchinson, but mainly the focus is on, on Gafford. And lo and behold, you go on a 17-6 and run when everybody's healthy, playing defense. <laughs> Look at that play-in situation where, by the way, even though we were a part of the play-in, we were hanging around at 8 feet. So whether the play-in happened or not, the Wizards would have actually made the postseason regardless. Mm-hmm. So how do you not say, let's, let's run it back one more time? Now, obviously, you're going to make some moves. You're gonna, you know, uh-huh. you're gonna play with free agency. You're gonna play with trades. You still have a viable draft pick, but how do you not say, "Let's run this back one more time"? Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you that Bradley Beal made his third All-Star appearance and was in the scoring chase with Steph Curry, averaging 31 points per game, and Russ broke Oscar's uh, triple-double record. But those things, you know, you can count if you want to or not. That's <laughs> what you have to think about when you talk about Scott Brooks. Are there some frustrating moments? Absolutely. We ain't gonna lie. Mm-hmm. But when you think about team chemistry, because that's what head coaches really do. Think back to, to a guy like, of course, Phil Jackson. Now, obviously, I'm not making a comparison between he and, and Scott. But what was Phil's main responsibility with Mike, Scotty, and, and Dennis? It wasn't X's and O's. It ain't like, oh, I need to teach them the triangle so they can run it at the best. No. Personality management, right? Why do you think KD... And, and um, Kyrie fought so hard to have Steve Nash up there. 
It ain't got nothing to do with teaching us, teaching them X's and O's. Personality management. Hmm. You got Russell Westbrook. You got Bradley Bill. Who works best with them? Everybody else will fall in line. Who works best with those two? Right now, I'm struggling to find somebody better than Scott Brooks, at least for the immediate future. So that's the, my just perspective on it. That's all. Okay. You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene, part of Empire Media, empiremedia.com. Right now, we're chatting with Wes, Wes Hall, host of NBC Washington's Withers pregame and postgame show. Wes, after being eliminated in five games by the Sixers, how would you upgrade? The, how would you grade the Wizard season? Oh man, it was funny you asked me that because we did. We we had that same. I asked that same question to the rest of my panel. I'm usually the one asking the question. Like, what what did you guys grade it? <laughs> and so we, you know, we had a couple different variety. Um, I said you can't give them an F because that's just delusional. You can't give them an A because you got bounced in the first round as an A C. But there's nothing wrong with giving them a C plus. Nothing wrong with a mm. C plus. A B. A B would have been like you ended up as the five or six seed, and then you slide into the second round. I'm like, ooh, that's a B plus right there. We're looking at A's. You're like, now mind you, because an A an A season is like Eastern Conference Finals, y'all. You know, and, and right? That, that's where <laughs> that's where that is. You know what I'm saying? So I, now, now A plus is A plus plus. That's NBA Finals. So Eastern Conference Finals is an A. You make the playoffs. I have to automatically give you a C because that's the bottom of that. But I say C-plus because that's a reasonable location for this team to be with. Were there some disappointing aspects of it? Yes. Do you want me to start calling names? I will if you really want me to. But I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. We had some expectations. Some of them were not met. Some of them were. And, you know, what did, it, what did they say? Uh, see my way out of this class back when we were in school? You can move on. You can move forward with a C. So that's what I'll give these guys for this season. Because it was crazy. Okay. Well, I mean, absolutely. Wes, you gave the Wizards on the court a C. How would you grade mm-hmm. the state of the franchise with regards to coaching, front office, Bradley Bill, uh, two more years on his contract, um, some young pieces that uh, clearly could take the next step to make this team a little bit more competitive in the future? How would you grade the state of this franchise? Well, um, to grade this, this franchise, I have to take everything in recent history into consideration. So I have to look at the Ernie Brunfield era and transitioning out of that. That included some contracts. Uh, John's contract was under that tenure. Uh, Brad's contract is under that tenure. Y'all remember Otto's contract? Remember the Young yeah, Heathen contract? Oh, that was fun. That was terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. you take those things into consideration as you move into the Tommy Shepard era. And so he has to, you know, kind of clean up a couple of things that happened before, uh, make some good decisions with the tools that he has available to them. And then again, it goes back to looking forward. When I see Brad and Russ, as of right now, I see Brad and Russ returning. I see the addition of Thomas Bryant to this roster. The fact that you were able to get Daniel Gafford is a steal. Now, mind you, he's going to have to do some leg work. You know, he's he definitely going to have to hit the, hit the weight room a little bit and, and bulk up a little bit. But I see the potential in us adding another wing to this team, another 3 and D kind of guy. That makes me hopeful for the future. Um, so, so looking at the franchise as a whole, when you look at the way that they kind of broke up and divided the management style, where previously everything was under, um, was under earnings. Health, 
roster, uh, player acquisition, everything came under Ernie. Well, now the management team and the style that they have over at Monumental, as far as Wizards are concerned, they've divided that leadership role. And I, and I like that because I think you put too many things on one person's plate, you allow for too many things to slip through the crack because one person can't do everything. So whether it's health and management, uh, analysis and statistics, travel, all of that stuff has been broken up. And I think it really helps, uh, helps things moving forward. What I want to see happen is for the Wizards to be a little more aggressive um, in the offseason, but that's always contingent upon cap space and players that are available. And so looking at the way things are now, we're in a good spot. We're in a good spot. If you're a Wizards fan and you're like, oh, man, you know, what do I have to look forward to next season? The fact that Tommy has already said he's not content with being an eighth seed and getting bounced in the first, that's not going to be acceptable. So I like a GM that's open, that's honest as he possibly can be, and one who knows what the fans want and has the same expectations of the players that the fans do. He's, Tommy's not one to let things slide. Um, I've known Tommy for a few years, and, you know, he's been pretty much a straight shooter. Like I said, now, mind you, he's in a tough spot because he's a GM, so he ain't going to tell you everything he's going to do. But you do have to watch those pieces. And the one move that he made that I was like, wow, well played, sir, was the move when he sent Troy and Mo out and got you Hush and Gafford. And it's nothing against Troy, nothing against Mo, because I enjoy both of them. Uh, Troy, it just there was no particular spot for him. We already had a backup point guard in Ish, and then you had another backup one in, in Neto, who really kind of jumped off the radar because you weren't expecting anything out of how Neto when he showed up out of Philly. Like Most people didn't even know he got picked up on the team. But he's really provided himself to be a spark off the bench. So, And even when he was in the starting rotation as well. So, you know, Troy needed to find a spot. But getting Daniel Gafford between Lynn, Lopez, and Gafford, those three, that three-headed monster we had, it was a problem. But everybody ain't going to be able to sit at the table. So what do you do moving in the offseason? That's what has to be figured out. Do you move Rui? to the three consistently and you put Thomas Bryant at the four, who knows? I don't know. Mm. Did I say that out loud? I don't know. And, and, and Wes, I'm wondering if, if there's not the injury to Thomas Bryant, if Daniel Gafford ever sees a Wizards uniform, that, that's what I've always doesn't. thought about. Exactly. So I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm never happy to see someone get injured, but it's like a blessing in disguise, so to speak, because Daniel yeah. Gafford showed his value. And I believe he has one more season like this, he's going to earn himself a payday as well. But going back to something else you said about running it back with Brooks, how long do you do that for? And what was you, what is your thoughts on Sam Cassell being a, a particular option as a coach for the team? He was in this franchise before. He knows Brad. He played the point guard mm-hmm. position at a high level on a championship level. Scott, I think Scott Brooks, while he's good and he had playing experience, He's not Sam Cassell, although they both play for the Rockets. Uh, but I think right. I was going to say, man, so many similarities. <laughs> um, first of all, I admire Sam Cassell. When he when he was a player, he got on my nerves because I was like, I don't like none of the Rockets <laughs> players. So I, I was one of those dudes. If Twitter would have been around back then, I would have been all in on Sam Cassell jokes. But looking at how he is as a player, uh, as how he is moving after his playing career into coaching. I admire what he's done. I admire the respect that the current players have for him. And, and I talked about player and personality management. Sam Cassell is definitely somebody that could be able to manage between Russ and Brad. The, the question is, is this the right time for him in this place? 
meaning because and here and here's the part that that it frustrates Wizards fans sometimes when I say this. Last year, this season that we went through, remember the end of last season sent everybody to the bubble, and then you go through the gauntlet of this season. It's almost unfair to really count this one against Scott. And I know that's going to sound crazy, but it's almost mm-hmm. unfair to do that because it's like, who else do you think could have navigated out of that jungle that was the past season and a half and got you to the playoffs? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So I, that, so for me, I'm like, hey, run it back, give Scott an extension, maybe do a one-and-one one or a two, you know, and see, because as long as you have him and Russ on the same page, mm-hmm. One thing Russell Westbrook showed you, ain't no quit in Russell Westbrook. Of course not. You might not have no legs anymore, but ain't going to be no quit. And I love that. I love that fight. And if if Scott Brooks is the same person that can make sure I get the most out of Russell Westbrook, who means I'm going to get the most out of Bradley Beal and the most out of the rest of this roster, that's what I'm going to rock with. But if Sam Cassell, if if, if management decides to make a move and they say, hey, Sam Cassell's our guy, I'm all for him too. Because I have a, the utmost respect for both he and Scott, mm. even though they both were right. <laughs> Got you. So we're gonna talk a little bit about possible signings now. You, you by the way, forgot about uh, Andrew Nicholson earlier when you mentioned the, the Ernie Gordon. Oh man, <laughs> we gonna go back there. I'm hey, trying not to I bomb on him. Oh y'all, best is right with him. Look, trust what me, we gonna trust do me, real quick? I bombed, I bombed, I bombed on Ernie for years on this show. So don't worry about it. Yo, when so, I tell you, um, um, go ahead, go ahead, because I'll start. You, you mi- now you trust. good? You mentioned <laughs> you mentioned Tommy Shepard. <laughs> you mentioned Tommy Shepard, and he he had something interesting to say. I want to say last week where he said Ted will be willing to allow him to go into the luxury tax if need be. And I think the guy, if you're going to do that, this is just my opinion. Is is the sign would be John Collins in Atlanta? Look at the playoffs he's having now. He may not bring that perimeter shooting that everybody is looking for. But to me, he's just a, a flat-out dog and will fit well with this roster. I've also heard DeRozan mention, who would you be in favor of signing for this team after assessing this season and where the, the, the roster stands currently? Um, so, one, to address the two people that you mentioned, I like John Collins. Now, if I'm him, I don't pick up the phone. I stay in Atlanta because what they've got down there is special. They got a young team. They they kind of remind me of what um, Golden State was doing back in the Mark Jackson years. You have a young mm-hmm. core that's really growing together. I think that's invaluable. And to to leave that prematurely would kind of feel like Tracy McGrady when he left Toronto mm-hmm. with Vince. You were like, oh man, y'all could have stayed together and really done something. He's like, no, I want to go and do my own thing. Now mind you, they both had great careers, both all famous, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. There's something magical when you get young players that can grow together. So if I'm John, I stay down in Atlanta. But then DeMar DeRozan, well, I'll start salivating. I'll buy him dinner every night on his budget, (laughs) not mine. That's how much I want DeMar DeRozan. The problem is this, and it goes back to the question that you initially asked, which is Mm -hmm. coin. How much is it going to cost to get DeMar DeRozan? DeMar DeRozan is one of them four-year, hundred million dudes. And Mm. that's going to break the kitty. That's going to break the kitty. And here's why I'm apprehensive about doing that. As much as I know that seeing Russ, Jamar, and Brad on the court is savage. Who you got in the East that can run with those three in that starting lineup? Who you got? Please bring it. I want to see it. Here's where I'm concerned. When you are that cash-strapped, especially considering 
that Russ and Brad already took up 40% of the salary cap this past year. Because that's what John's contract was. And so Russ has just filled that same space. God forbid, knock on wood, y'all. Everybody knock on wood. Knock on wood if you're with me. God forbid something happens injury-wise, you are hampered cash-wise. You have no money to fill in the gaps. And so what does that mean? That means, like, you know, you see those memes go around where they like, you got $15, here's uh, five players in the $5 ring, five players in the $3 ring, five players in the $1 ring. You got $15 to make a team. Go ahead. <laughs> it's all right. fun and games when you got the big money in the big three. But see, when you kick cash strap, you can only afford two of them top five ones. And you're going to spend the rest of your $5 on a bunch of ones. That ain't how you mm. win basketball games, especially if you're talking postseason contention. That's what the focus is. So they've got to get everything balanced back out where you're not so top-heavy in your salary cap allocation. That's where it becomes interesting. So for me, I want to find somebody who is affordable. Because remember, we already spent $85 million on dollars. So I need to find somebody who's affordable <laughs> that we can also make a three and D. I'm trying my best, y'all. You know I'm sorry. Y'all can look at my face right now. I'm my best not to say that. <laughs> I'll say it for you. That was a terrible signing. You know what? What hurt about that signing? Because we really needed his three point shooting at a consistent rate. <sighs> and that's what that's what was so the money part. Like, we, we get caught up in the money because ain't none of us making $80 million on nobody's contract. So we like, hey, for $80 million, I sleep in the parking lot in the trash can if that's what it takes. <laughs> and I'm shooting everything. I'm never leaving the gym. But for his contract, comparably speaking, it, it, it's a reasonable amount of money over a five-year period. Uh, the problem is the return on investment. That return on investment because why? You, what do you remember? Remember what I'm talking about. If Brad and Russ already take up 40% of your cap, you're going to need that third person to give you a high return on that investment. And when they're not doing it consistently, we're not mad at him missing threes. Everybody misses threes. We're mad at him missing threes because he's the bag that he's got attached to it. That's where the fury <laughs> comes in. Am I right or am I wrong? And, and this is y'all's platform. So I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I, mean I, I don't necessarily 100 wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, here's mm-hmm. why. Um, Davis Burton, throughout his career, we know what he was. He was a uh, a six foot eleven, uh, seven foot three point shooter, right? And right. at the four or possibly five position. In today's NBA, if you're going to pay 40 percent to two guys who are worth it, right? And then your third mm-hmm. highest player, to me, your third highest player has to be a guy who can consistently create a bucket for you off the dribble and is a good shooter and needs to be a 3 and D guy, right? And that's those are things right. that Davis Bertans just isn't. Um, you know, to pay $85 million to a guy who's strictly a three-point shooter at that size, who doesn't rebound and who doesn't protect the rim and can't um, guard in the post, to me, I just thought it was money that was not well spent. And I can understand and, and, and agree with you because of how it ended up playing out. So we, we talked about this, some of the guys of us, you know, off, off mic sometimes. We just talk about <laughs> dynamics and how things go. And the way the team was originally comprised was with Thomas Bryant, you have another three-point shooting big man on the court, right? Mm-hmm. So that means instead of everybody focusing on Davis doing it, hey, y'all got to stop TB too. So 
it's a situational thing where if you got this guy in this seat, another person in that chair, another one's hit, then the, the situation, the circumstance leans into Davis's favor. What happened was the Wizards were in a situation oftentimes where they were in desperation mode and needing those threes, and they weren't coming in the, the situation that was most beneficial to Davis. Tony Massenberg did a great breakdown of this uh, towards the end of the season where we were literally counting how many times is Davis shooting a three where he's facing the rim, where he's actually catch and shoot, looking at the rim when he shoots. And it blew our mind. He rarely shot squared up to the basket. And you're like, well, that has nothing to do with it. Well, yeah, it does if that's how he hits most of his shots. If you pull him from the corner, leaning to the left, falling back into the scoreboard, that's not your shot. But yet, at, yeah. at the end of the day, he still shot 40% from three this year. That's, what, eight-tenths of a point below his career average? It's frustrating, but, I mean, It's, it's well. frustrating. I guess for me, <laughs> the, the thing that was telling me was, you know, you uh, essentially paid, you gave, you know, it's not my money. And I, I don't not, you know, I salute him for getting I know, that. we ain't pocket watching, I know. <laughs> yeah, we're not pocket watching, but you know, if you're going to pay that type of money, I would, I wouldn't, you know, as a fan, would have preferred that you didn't give it to a guy who is only essentially a spot up shooter. Well, answer me this. Okay. Go back to the off season. Go back to the off season. Davis doesn't remember. Davis didn't go down to the bubble because yep. they were like, hey, you know, he wants to sit back, and he he did a good job last year serviceable enough to where we were even considering trying to make sure that we kept him on the team. He doesn't go down to the bubble. And then COVID hit, and COVID, now mind you, COVID hit later. So this is before the contract even gets signed, even though he is overseas when he signs it. But Davis does that. And then who's on the phone call? Who's on the other end of Davis's phone that wants him? Brooklyn. You going to let Davis go to Brooklyn? I'm, if it's me, shooting league. It's, at the time, now, this if, is at if, the time, not now. Yeah, I get now, it. Well, we don't I get know. It. I get it. If if you if you asking me, I would have mm-hmm. let him walk because even okay. though I know, you know, uh, he has a a premium skill set, I have to look at the construction of my roster. I have to think long term, and I have to say, is it in the long term benefit of this organization, this team that we currently have fielded, and we we. And we potentially are projecting, you know, two or three years out. Does mm-hmm. this guy maximize my ability to win? And I just didn't see it. That's me. So, so, so I ask you this. It's a three-point okay. shooting league right now. And, and yeah. we can all agree on that, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so who, who are your knockdown three-point shooters on this roster? I mean, Dallas well, yeah. is one, mm-hmm. but, but, but am I paying – a guy, $85 million over five years to just be a three-point shooter. Where there are other things, other areas on this roster I need to improve. It's the, it's, it's, well, it's, you, it's yeah, kind you, of like economics. It's, it's economics, right? right? It's the value, the value of, you know, roster construction and the value that a certain player provides for me on that team and that return on that investment. I just didn't see it. That's me. No, you know, I, I don't, agree. I, don't, I agree. I yeah, I don't, I don't, I completely I'm not trying to from. be a, yeah, I'm not saying I'm an expert in this thing, but I'm just looking at it holistically and from a strategic perspective, right? So I'm going to pay a guy five years, 85 million to be 
a stretch four, can that stretch four, does he also protect the rim? Does he rebound? Can he create off the dribble? No, he does not do anything. And these things are essential if you're going to have that third guy on your team and you're going to make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals and be consistently getting to the second round of the playoffs. Fair. So here's a, let, let's switch hats real quick. But let's have some fun. I love okay. this conversation. I appreciate you guys having me on. <laughs> let's, 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 let's put our coaching hat on. So we, we just talked GM for a second. Now let's go with How does Russell Westbrook score? Uh, getting into the lane. Bucket? Okay. How does Bradley Bill score? Yep. Um, creating, creating for himself, getting into the lane, and also coming off a pick. Uh, scoring threes. How does Rui score? Because he's just starting three. So how, how does Rui get his bucket? Rui, essentially from uh, free throw line, um, extended and spotting up shooting. Okay. We're skipping over the four because okay. obviously the four. So go to the five, whether it be Gafford, Lopez, or Lynn. How do they get their bucket? Uh, primarily in the paint off of second shot. So if you're a defense, if you're if you're on the other team, you you just told me that four of your five starters all live in the paint. So where's my defense going to be? In the paint. In the paint. So what does that mean? I, I need. I need. You see what I'm saying? So I need that fifth person. I, I need somebody hey, like hey. when they collapse inside, somebody's got to stand up there at that three and knock them down. And that's what the, the aspiration point, was. Yeah, but is that worth seventeen million dollars a year? When you have cap, when you have forty percent of your cap going to two going to two players, that's that's the that's yeah. the question you have to ask. And and that's that's why Tommy Shepard gets paid his money to do all that decision making. <laughs> I get paid to be slightly critical about it. Um, Absolutely. No, I, again, back to my to my original point. I understand the frustration. I understand the vexation. I I completely get it. Because what did I say? It was the consistency that was an issue. If you look at his numbers, his career average in points is 8.6. This season was 11.5. So on paper, you're like, what are we complaining about? You, you look at his career free, uh, three-point shooting, 40.7. Like I said, he's down eight-tenths of a point mm-hmm. to 39.5. What are we really complaining about on paper? The problem was how it manifested itself in games. There were stretches when Davis went 0 for 5, 0 for 6. Because y'all know, because mm-hmm. I was sitting up there making bold predictions with X's all over my face. Multiple <laughs> times. Trying to get my man going. So I ain't got no problem with it. But I, again, I do see your point about the return on investment. That's why it's going to be so important, so, so important that the right moves are made this offseason to keep who you need to keep and move who you got to move. Because what this playoff series and this postseason showed us especially part of that latter part of the season when we went on that 17-6 run. What it showed you is you can't miss when it comes to playoff time. You can't have any weak links. You can't have anybody that's questionable or inconsistent. you got to have it because looking at the way that Tobias Harris, of all people, who right now has, let's see what Tobias got on him, 16. Now, they were beating the brakes off of Atlanta in the first quarter early. Now they're halfway through the second, and Tobias Harris has 16 points. Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, the other one, those were the guys that were breaking us. Yeah, Ben Simmons is going to do his thing facilitating. Yeah, Embiid's going to do his thing owning the paint. 
but it was those other players that were the difference maker. That's that's where the Wizards have to focus moving forward. It's making sure that those others and that supporting cast, guys like Ish, guys like Gafford, making sure that they're that they are where they need to be in their development and their on court presence. Don't forget, like you said, Rui's getting a lot more mature. Can we take a pause and reflect on how crazy a first two seasons for anybody NBA career has been for Rui Hachimura? Like, in what world do you start a season, it gets shut down, you go to basically a glorified AAU camp for a month and a half, go to an offseason that lasts two months, show back up mm-hmm. into a COVID world, like, and that's his sophomore season? The craziness that Denny had to go through in his rookie season? Man, there it is. God, there, it is. Man. there it is, brother. You, you know, mentioned the magic word, Denny. I don't hear too oh, much about him because he's gotten hurt now. Now, Denny, I feel like if he was healthy, he would have helped defensively in that first-round playoff series. And I understand everything you're saying about Javis. We've had this discussion numerous times. We know where the game's headed and how it's being played. But I feel like Denny, at 19 years old, has so much potential. Where, in your mind, does he fit into the plans for this franchise moving forward? Well, if you're looking at Rui as the starting three, then Denny's going to be that backup three as of now. If you want to run mm-hmm. with a smaller rotation and move Rui to the four, there's a matchup that you see that works there, then you move Denny to the three in the starting lineup. That's fine with me. They both have started in both positions this season. Denny's got an interesting development track because he's played overseas professionally. In Tel Aviv, great Euro League, like seriously, great league over there. So he understands the professionalism of the NBA. What he has to focus on now is allocating himself to the speed and strength of the NBA. There are dogs on this court. Night in, night out. No mercy, no excuses. It may look like they take a night off. Yeah, it's all fun and games. You step on the court with them. He's got to develop. The game has to slow down for him. If I recall, you guys remember early on in the season where he was making any kind of play anytime ball stopped, he would go basically do a consultation with Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you see? Am I doing this right? Am I? He's malleable to that degree. He wants to be the best. For him, he just has to slow down mentally. We've all been around that person who wants to do right, and they just moving a million miles an hour. We're like, bro, slow down, and you'll be fine. <laughs> That's where Diddy is. If, if he, once he begins to slow down in his mind, the game will slow down in his hands. And we'll see a lot coming out of him because he wants to be a baller. He wants it bad. Like he, he's one of the people that like pouts on the bench because over one missed shot. That's him. And I like that because if you take it personal when you do bad, that means you're going to fight like all hell to make sure you do well. So I'm all about Denny and his development. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the word development because, again, we're talking about potential all-season moves. Who can you bring in? Who can Tommy Shepard bring in to make this team more successful, get to the second round, advance further in the playoffs? And I have two names that I also want to throw out there real quick. Give us your thoughts. Bring them. And they're both Portland Trailblazers, brother. Gary Trent Jr. Oh, and boy. <laughs> so who do you say, Norman and who? Norman Powell and Gary Trent Jr. Oh, man. First of all, you know Gary Trent Jr. done broke us off a couple times. I so know, man. You heard us. Bring his name up automatically. <laughs> Automatically just made my mortgage go up. Um, <laughs> so, it's like Gary Trent Jr. I, matter of fact, hold on. Norman Powell did the same thing, too. The first time in Toronto, him, Norman, the second time it was Gary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gary, got I, I like Gary definitely got it. 
Yeah, no, Gary Gary broke us off because we weren't paying attention to that. And that little whack swap. It was a push-off, though, right? It was a push-off. That was a push, bro. Like, he gave him the whole suit bomb, bro. When you see the elbow go up, I'm like, you might want to blow the whistle, but let's not turn this into a T-short song. Um, <laughs> I, I look at it like when you when you get guys, what do they both have in common? Moxie, dog. And, and I know people are overused the term, like, he got a lot of dog in him. But what I'm talking about is look who they're on the court with. Look who they play with. They play with Damian Lillard. Last time I checked, he got a lot of Russell Westbrook in him. That same never back down mentality. I'm ready to fight you in a phone booth. I'll fight you in a mall. That kind of with a J, with a J. You know, <laughs> with a J, with a savage J. Like, uh, hold on, like you ain't supposed to shoot from over there. But okay, I'm gonna go ahead and get back on defense. That type of situation. So when I see them possibly brought into this organization they can easily fall in because where's the lion's share of the work going to be done in the backcourt. And so what, especially allow one of those two to come off the bench. See, that's the other thing. Like rotations is so important in today's NBA. Everybody focuses on the starters. I don't do that. That That's almost the easiest thing to do. Like when you're playing on 2K, anybody can pick the top five starters. What you going to do when, when that, that Gatorade sign shows up talking about take a timeout and you need to put that second unit in. Or you need to make those subs at eight minutes into the first quarter. You know what I'm saying? Like that, mm-hmm. that's where you need depth. And that's the separation element for the Eastern Conference and for the Wizards as a whole. You have to be able to be deep. And that's what makes the difference for us. So give me a Gary Trent Jr. Give me a Norman Powell and watch him break somebody off. Because if you can minimize the drop off between the starting units productivity mm-hmm. and the second unit, now you got a problem. People don't know how to defend you. They don't know how to defend you. That's what. That's why I was talking about um, Ish and Neto. It wasn't that Ish Smith and Howell Neto are spectacular athletes. It's not that. It's that they they diminish the drop off between the first and second unit. So if Russ is pushing the pace, guess what Ish is going to do? Push the pace. Mm-hmm. You need someone scrappy and hustled and diving all over the floor to make sure that we maintain possession or create a turnover. Neto. You keep the tempo up. That's what makes it a hard team to defend, and that's why we've got some really big wins. The Brooklyn wins, both of them. Uh, the Jazz wins. Uh, the, the Denver wins. Like, all of that stuff came from the second unit guys doing their job when the starters weren't on the court. Okay, Wes. Um, I have one more question before we uh, get you out of here. Um, 17 is my answer. You, I don't know what the question is. 17. <laughs> All right. This is about, this is about, uh, this is about the, um, the, the, the uh, viewer experience at home in gambling. Ooh, um, okay. okay. We know that you, yeah, we know that um, NBA viewership has been down um, over this past mm-hmm. year. You know, you're someone in the media who handles the Withers pregame and postgame. How do you think, um, and with there being a sports book, added into Capital One Arena. How do you think, uh, do you, or do you think, uh, possible prop bets and the ability for fans to gamble on things that happen during the game will uh, affect uh, the, viewer, the viewer numbers, audience numbers in the coming years? Um, I, I think predictive gaming, and that's what I call it for whether it's a player prop or a total game total or spread or another, I just call it all predictive gaming because that's really what you're doing. You're just predicting an outcome. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as the viewer experience, the fan experience, I think it's a great way 
to allow people who might not understand the nuance of a game to become educated about it. So most people just think, all right, what's the final score going to be? Well, you know how much stuff happens between tip-off and final whistle? Like, I'm going to need you to tune in before the fourth quarter. So I, I love that it brings in the opportunity for you get to, to get down in the details about a certain player's performance, whether they're at home or on the road. Is it a Monday game? Is it a Wednesday game? Is it a Saturday game? All of that stuff comes into it. And what it does is you don't even realize you're falling more in love with the sport as you do it. Because now you got some metaphorical skin in the game, right? Like it, it, mm-hmm. it, it matters to you when you see um, who's playing tonight. Uh, I just mentioned Tobias Harris. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. throw a prop out there. So if I see uh, Tobias Harris possibly can go for 20 or more points, and with a Philly win, and I see that that's plus 800, which is crazy good money. I might be like, hey, I'm going to watch this Philly game because I'm about to put down $10 real quick and walk away with 90. Let me eat. That's what it's about. It's not just the money part of it, because I know a lot of people are like, I ain't spending no money on that. You know how much stupid money we spend on stupid stuff every day that we don't care about and they will never get no return on investment on? But at least... If you're doing predictive gaming with sports that you care about, it only enhances the experience. Because I always tell people, A, never wager anything that you couldn't just throw out the window anyway. Don't ever put yourself in a position where you need to win. Always have fun with it. If you need help, there are phone numbers that are available to help anybody who has any problems with gambling. But for me, <laughs> I love it. Now, mind you, I can't touch it because I have contractual limitations that prevent me from doing it. But there you go. I can't enjoy looking <laughs> at it because I so, so there have been so many nights I'm like, oh, man, I want to. I can't, but I want to because it's, just, it's so good. Like, I don't, now, is there anybody on this, on this panel that is against it and anti? I'm not going to give you a sales pitch. I'm just curious as to why not if there is anyone. I'm not going to answer that. No, I'm, I'm we'll have to say that for another time. <laughs> Listen, like a, a lot of a lot of what you said tonight, it, it could have some some good dialogue with. That's what I'm. That's how I'm gonna phrase it. Yeah. You no, know, but we we just simply don't have enough time. But we we do appreciate your time. Of course, we see where this team can go, where this franchise can go, based on what happened this season. You sweep the Lakers, you sweep the Nuggets, you sweep the Jazz. It shows that you are a good team. It's just like you said, the issues with injuries, COVID. There's a lot that needs to come together for this team, but it, the potential is there. Even some of the younger peaches, Rui, Denny, of course. So, brother, we're going to look forward to covering this team as they move forward. Hopefully, as they grow. We saw with the Mystics that D.C. can be a basketball town when you have a winner, and I'm hoping that that will be the same for the Wizards, and we'll enjoy covering it. We'll enjoy watching you. So thanks for coming on the show. Again, hope to have you again. Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me, and I'll leave you with this final word. It was, um, I think it was Wolf Blitzer. We were interviewing him, and he's a diehard Wizards fan. And we mm-hmm. asked him about what that would mean for, for the Wizards to win a championship. Chuck Todd said the same thing. This city would blow up overnight if yep. the Wizards won, because this city is such an NBA town first. Not mm-hmm. just Wizards fans. There are basketball fans from all over the world who live in this city. So for the Wizards, to get in that same category with the Mystics, the Caps, and the Nats, and, of course, mm-hmm. the football team already, man, please. Wizards would own. I told one of my managers, I said, I said if, y'all, if, we, if they ever win it, if they do the parade, I'm doing the whole thing from on top of the bus with the team. <laughs> no question that. Like, y'all not going to have to ask me. And if you try to hey. tell me not to, I'm going to still go do it. 
Because what you going to do, drag me off of it? I doubt it. So, no, thank you guys for having me. It is a blessing. It is an honor to be upon your platform. If there's ever anything I can do to help you all, if you ever want me back, you got my mask. So thank you guys. I appreciate it, and I look forward to the next time. Thanks, brother. Thank you. We appreciate you, brother. And continue the good work. Oh, blessings, always, and likewise. Cool. All right, man. That was, that was a great hey. interview. What do you think, Ray? I think it was. My man Wole, he, he got froze out by technology. It wasn't Will and I, just in case you didn't hear him say much, <laughs> technical difficulties. But I, I feel blessed that we made it work. And Will, you had your part two of why Davis <laughs> should be here. What should we call it? As, as the world turns with Davis Berton, you know what I'm saying? Look, Troy Halliburton was 5-1 I, 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 don't, <laughs> I, I don't think Davis shouldn't be here, right? I, I understand of having a guy in today's NBA, a guy like Davis in today's NBA, right? I just don't necessarily agree that that was you're going to get, you're going to maximize your investment, your return on your investment with that contract. That's all, especially coming off the Yon Mahini contract. Well, let me throw this out there, bro, because I saw this on social media from people who know basketball, and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to trust Wole as people who know basketball and those individuals said this, Garrison Matthews, if he gets consistent minutes, he can beat what Davis Bertaz was this season. And I don't disagree with that for much less money. We're talking about a brother on a two-way I, contract. I, I, I absolutely agree. I so, absolutely agree. I, I, I didn't necessarily want to go there with, with Wes because, you know, obviously he has a very – I want to say a very specific view. I don't think you're going to get him to be able to deviate that. If I'm saying that right, he 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 knows what he likes about this team and where he thinks this team should go. And that's that's what's up. You know, we all are individuals who talk and cover basketball, cover this franchise. But could you find equal value for Davis? I believe you could have. However, Will, I will say this. The season before last, before COVID, of course, shut the year down, Davis had high trade value because he was hooping. And it, he wasn't just a shooter. Um, and, and this season, for the most part, I hear the numbers, but he was a decoy a lot of games. You know, you knew you had to cover him, but he shot a lot of fallaways, like, like Wes alluded to. And that wasn't all his fault. It was in ways because of Russ and adjusting to his playing style. But still, it ultimately comes down to coaching, and that's where I think a change needs to happen. And Sam Gasol was the one name I threw out there. Jay Kidd is another name that's been thrown out as a possibility as somebody who learned from his experience with Milwaukee and now being in L.A., being out there with, with LeBron James, arguably arguably the greatest of all time, Wole Squad. Uh, there's different there's different coaches out there that could come in and make a change, and hopefully you have those results that the Knicks had this season and that Atlanta's currently experiencing right now. So to to say that Scott should run it back, I don't know if he necessarily earned it. Three or five years is cool, but did you advance? Um, Steve Clifford, he went to the playoffs in Orlando as well, multiple seasons. But they didn't advance, and, and the franchise wanted to rebuild. So we, we need to have a decision. That's my thing. Whether you want to keep Brooks or not, we need to know something. So that way you can begin to build on that foundation now, the foundation that is Bradley Bill. That's what Tommy Shepard's been saying over and over again. And now Russ, of course, because he's here, what, the next two, three years. Absolutely. It's been good well, doing a two-man show. I, I think that um, <laughs> I think going forward, I think we should keep this structure, right? You know, even though I'm not a petty guy, I'm not a petty guy. You know, Wole did freeze me out a couple weeks ago, and I forgave him for that. I did forgive him for that. But 
ultimately, I think this two-man structure works best for us. Um, Wole, what do you think? That's right. You can't say anything. <laughs> All right. But it's been good, man. It's been good. He just said the text. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I oh, wow. I ain't going to repeat. Are you going to repeat what he just said on the text message, Will T? No, nah, I'm not going to. I mean, I don't think it. I, I'm not giving Wole any voice this week. That's the beauty of this, man. Just me and you. We don't give him any voice this week. It's just our thought, our show, how we want it, how we produce it. Wole, you just push the buttons in the background, man. I think that's how it should go from now on. For the guys, for, for the, for the, the guys and, and ladies listening to the show, you're listening to the Urban Sports Team, part of Empire Media, EmpireMedia.com. We apologize for the for the technical difficulties that technology, as Wes alluded to. Um, don't interview Will T. Before we get out of here, we have about seven minutes left. Let's go to the rest of the playoffs real quick. Is that cool? That's cool. Let's do it. Okay, so, Will, I'm going to keep putting it out there because your Knicks showed up this season. It was great to see just playoff basketball in the garden. But Trey Young did his thing. Trey Young did look like a young Reggie with the bow. Now you're watching Trey Young and the Hawks go up against these Philadelphia 76ers now down to half. What's your thoughts on this series, Hawks, uh, Sixers? You have a prediction that you want to share as well? Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, series um, with the depth that uh, Atlanta has. Um, they do have someone in Clint Capella to throw a body at um, Joel Embiid. Um, and just the, I guess for me, the lack of trust in the consistency from the other guys that, you know, outside of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, I actually think Atlanta's going to pull off the upset and win the series. Okay. Okay. That would be, that would be good in my opinion, because I believe Trey Young right now, you talk about viewership being down in the NBA. I feel like he's must see TV and I feel as though, as Wole's been talking about on social media, I'll give Wole a voice real quick. Him and Luca obviously are, are the face, the, the young faces of this league moving forward, and that's a great thing. Will T. Back in the day, I say back in the day, I'm talking about uh, a decade. We've been we've been doing this for a while. Every season, Wole, I know you can hear it. <laughs> what, what, who did Will T. predict would win the championship? The Clippers. And now the Clippers finally advance to the second round. They open up their second round series against the Utah Jazz. Will T. What you got? What you who you who do you have in the series? That's just say. Um, oh, I'm taking the Clippers. Taking the Clippers. <laughs> taking the Clippers always coming out of the West, going into the NBA Finals. Okay, into the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Interesting, and 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 I that's why I disagree because my man, our man, he should be your man too, Monty Williams, because he's a PG County alum as well, or, or he's he's from the area, of course, and. His son's looking real good. You talk about faces of the league moving forward. Devin Absolutely, is proven to be that guy, and it was it was just amazing to see them overcome a deficit last night. They were down ten in that third quarter, and to see how they were on that run was amazing. What do you think? Not only Devin Booker, but DeAndre Ayton. He's been you know playing, giving them uh, a consistent presence in the paint. You know, twenty ever. I think over the last seven. Games, um, four of the games he's had 20 and 10 and shot 65% um, from the field. So DeAndre Ayton really, um, you know, everyone we talked about the addition of Chris Paul and what he's meant to that to that team. But in these playoffs, DeAndre Ayton has taken his game to another level consistently on a nightly basis. So um, he's made them uh, even more viable threat. 
All right, Will, we're going to do this PTI style because it's just two of us. <laughs> so we're okay. going to go for the big finish. Coach K, obviously, he's, he's ready to get his documentary, his additional financials already squared away for his future because you know it's coming. This season is called The Last Ride, quote-unquote. You can see a 30 for 30 or bigger coming from this. But let's talk about his legacy real quick. Some of his greatest battles was with Gary Williams and the University of Maryland. I give, I give Gary Williams the nod in terms of head-to-head only because Gary Williams, the way he recruited, he didn't go for the one and done. He won a national championship without one McDonald's player. But Coach K, we can't argue with the success he had in spite of, you know, maybe he got the calls. Maybe Dick Vitale was on his side. You know, there's a lot of advantages in recruiting. But, again, he was a teacher. And even if he didn't have the greatest roster, his team competed, and they competed against the best. What do you think about Coach K? Um, Coach K, definitely a Hall of Famer. Coach K will go down. He is Duke basketball. It'll be hard for him. You know, like, there's certain college programs where we think that coach is the program. Um, just up just up the street from us, Georgetown, John Thompson. Um, yep. You think of North Carolina. You think of Dean Smith. Um, even though Roy Williams has retired there and he had a, an illustrious career. Um, when you think of uh, UCLA, you think John Wooden. Um, and, you know, and when we think of Duke basketball going forward, we would think of Coach K. He is, um, uh, he's an icon. But one of the things that's interesting to me, you mentioned about, you know, the success he's had. Um, one of the interesting, I don't think, and a lot of people remember this is, you know, I believe when they were making that run, uh, specifically when they were playing um, the Fab Five, and he was just referring to the type of players that he recruited, right? He, he said that he doesn't go for the one-and-done type of players. And then there was a long stretch where Coach K, you know, didn't win any championships, um, wasn't advancing, you know, to the Final Fours consistently, and then he started to recruit those one-and-done players around 1998, 1999. That's when he had that that even longer sustained uh, period of success. So, well, we we got a Twitter comment from a man T. Rev. He said, "No, sir, he's one of the best, or one of the goats, but not the goat." And I think that'll be a lot of people's sentiment about Coach K that he's not the greatest of all time. But we respect Coach K on this show. I know he's a polarizing figure in ways, but, again, you can't argue with the results. And it be interesting to see what happens with Duke basketball moving forward. But, Will T, hey, good stuff. It's our first time actually holding down the show just the two of us. We need to do this again somehow. Yeah, we will do it again next week. You know, I think this is a new trend <laughs> for us. We'll do it again next week, man. Again, you're listening to the Urban Sports Scene, part of Empire Media, EmpireMedia.com. Wole, he'll be back next week. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search Urban Sports Scene. Also tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. And check out Empire Media, EmpireMedia.com, home of the Urban Sports Scene. And this show, of course, can be found on Podcast DC. The podcast, the, the, I'm sorry, download the podcast DC app to hear all the Empire Media shows as well as other great content. I had to go through my Wole phase today, stumble a little bit, but thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Urban Sports Team for ages, you dig? <laughs> Deuces. I tried. Mega, lead us out, big homie. <laughs> I tried, bro. You know. Deuces.